This is the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. We are a group of men who gather together to encourage each other in friendship and in faith, and to support each other to be better husbands, fathers, and better men in the marketplace and in our communities. Friendship at NCS happens through our regular meetings in local chapters all across the country. The Franklin, Tennessee chapter meets the first and third Thursday each month at Puckett's Grocery and Restaurant in downtown Franklin from 7 to 8 a.m. This podcast is sponsored by Harrington Interactive Media. Working on a book? Let us help you get it to print. We can edit your book, design the cover, and help you list it on Amazon's print-on-demand services. See examples of our work and connect with us at harringtoninteractive.com. In this episode, Charlie Peacock shares a talk called God's Hand in Our Imagination and Creativity. It was recorded on March 7th, 2019. This is really about, um, about spiritual formation and about what happens in the slow growth of the human heart and the human soul. One of the things that uh, I, I always like to read, always like to share uh, books that I'm reading, read a book by John O'Donohue, who is, uh, he's dead now. Uh, I like reading about, reading books by dead people. <laughs> Um, and he was a, a philosopher and, a, and a, 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 an Irish mystic, died, I wrote a book called Anamkara, which means soul friend. And he's talking about uh, the relationship that we have to ourselves, the relationship that we have to God, the relationship that we have to other people. And most of us are um, kind of latecomers to finding the, the friends of our souls that go deeply. We, we're really not taught very much about how to care for ourselves, how to care for our own souls. And there's almost no teaching uh, in the world that I live in about how to care for our mind. The caring of the mind. What does that look like? Uh, and yet Jesus said that we're to love him with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And somehow these are, th- these are connected. So if any thoughts occur to your mind about this, scribble me a note this week. Send it to me. I want to hear more about this. But it's, it's a topic that I think we can talk about more. It sort of uh, leads us into um, what this morning is all about. It's a morning about creativity. I love March because this we have Charlie Peacock here this morning. But then in two weeks, we have uh, some of the early Jesus music guys who are going to be back for the third time uh, playing their music up here. So it's going to be a morning of music. Charlie, you can come play if you want to. Uh, there's a, a Music City... F- yeah, we got him out of bed. This is a... We, we kind of wrecked Charlie's day. Um, anyway, so... Um, Creativity. Uh, you see all the creativity in nature. Um, when I when I think about the creativity in nature, I think uh, about birds, and then I think almost immediately about um, the beauty of the nest that the Baltimore Oriole will build. And we we have very few around here. Every now and then I see a nest uh, built by a Baltimore. Oriole. Uh, it's hard to say, and it's this little woven cloth bag made out of strings they find laying around and, 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 and leaves, and inside of this they lay their eggs, and then their, their little, um, the little uh, birds, when they're hatched, are, are hatched inside this little bag, and it's just some of the most creative things, and we're not thinking very much about uh, these days about the creativity that we see in nature as a doorway to understanding more about our Father and how good he really is. Um, Anyway, Charlie Peacock. Um, 
Charlie is a legendary figure, uh, not only because he's starting to look more and more like C.S. Lewis, <laughs> but because he has a mind at work. Um, in 2004, he wrote a book called uh, New Way to Be Human. In uh, 1999, he produced an album by that same title. I think it was the lyric by Doug McKelvey, is that right? And John Foreman, and John Foreman, new way to be human. And so, uh, Charlie and Andy started. Um, a, 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 I don't even know what they what they called it. I don't know if you call it a ministry or something. It was it started the art house, and it was a place for conversations like the ones that we have here um, around around theology, around creativity, around art. Um, and I, I'm just absolutely thrilled to have Charlie with us this morning. Uh, I have no idea where this is going, but come tell us. Okay. Would you please welcome him? Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, I w normally, if this was 20 years ago, I would have made a joke about him. You know, musicians don't get up this early, but. But uh, now, uh, since I've been a grandpa for a long time, I've got my grandson staying with us uh, right now. And uh, he was up, uh, I think, about 540, you know. So, so it's kind of flipped on its head now. And uh, I find myself up at hours that many years ago uh, um, I was still in bed. In fact, I, re I recall one uh, particular time of going to the, uh, you know, when school first starts and you go and visit with the teacher and whatnot, and and usually the, the teacher will want to have some of the children's artwork up, right? And you'll go in there and you'll tour the classroom just at the new school year, and uh, and uh, I went, looked around and looked for my son Sam's uh, artwork and finally found it, and he had drawn a picture of his mother uh, sort of active, taking care of the family, cooking, you know, doing, doing, taking care of, of of he and his sister, and then the picture of me was a man in bed. <laughs> uh, because they had learned very quickly that that daddy stays up very late and needs to sleep in in the morning. Well, good morning to you. Um, I am, yes, I am an artist um, of many varieties. Uh, I've always been an artistic uh, person since I was a little kid. Um, and because of that, I, over the years, developed a, a, a strong entrance interest in um, the link, uh, the theological link between what it means to follow Jesus and the imagination and creativity. And um, so often people uh, believe that um, it's someone else that's imaginative, someone else that's creative, you know. And uh, I would always argue against that because I would say, no, no, to, um, to be a human being, to have been made by God, is to be made in God's image. And with that uh, designation, there, there are many things that come with that. And then and the moment that you profess to follow Jesus and begin to do that, that begins to work on that image within you uh, that also uh, renews your imagination. 
So I thought we'd just talk about that for just a minute, and maybe it would be helpful to some of you to be reminded again that, that you are uh, powerful, imaginative, creative people who have um, developed imaginative and creative lives, and maybe uh, in some ways you just, you just haven't been able to locate it or see it. Um, first thing that's super important is that um, we learn to distinguish between the imagination and creativity. So I think for a lot of us, we'd think that those uh, were synonymous, and they're just interchangeable words, but they're not. They're not interchangeable at all. They're two very, very important words. So just to break it down for you, uh, imagination, if you will, is that place in the brain that is like a a neural workplace. It is a place where a lot of faculties of the brain uh, are able to come into and go out of, kind of in a circular way. So when we say that we imagine something, can it be the same as pondering or thinking? Yes, absolutely, right? But what's distinct about imagining is that it's the ability to call into view within the mind's eye um, something that didn't exist in the mind's eye and may or may not exist in physical space. So um, this could be all sorts of things, right? So if you were King David looking on Bathsheba, right, you could imagine having that woman for yourself. And then you could imagine what you would do to have to cover up your crime, okay? Now, on the other hand, you could be um, someone uh, who imagines a cure for cancer, right? And now all of these things can happen in the mind. It's not until they become physical in the world or even detected as a mood, if you will, that we can call them creative, so we begin with the imagination, and out of the imagination comes creativity. So, so you should be thinking now, like, oh, well, then I'm imagining all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you are. You're imagining all the time. It's impossible to be a human being and not imagine. It's impossible to sin without imagination, to lie without imagination, to dream the greatest and most beautiful dreams in the world without imagination. It takes it all. And that's the power of the imagination. C.S. Lewis called it the organ of meaning. The organ of meaning. It's in, uh, so linking that to creativity, creativity is just basically you bringing the imagination out into the open, right? So what perhaps only you can see, you can begin to describe it to people. And uh, if it involves making something, um, then, of course, you can make that, and then there, now there's something that exists that didn't exist moments before, right? How many of you in here have built something on your property? A large portion of you, right? Okay. All right, so what do you do when you're building something, and you come up to that point, and you realize, oh, my gosh, I did this completely upside down, right? What do you do? You begin to imagine a solution for your problem, okay? 
And some of the greatest creative works in the world are basically solutions to problems. They began in the imagination. Uh, someone saw, uh, and it could be something so simple as to, um, like, like this will happen to me a lot, where I'll be building something, realize it didn't do it quite right, and I start imagining that there would be something that would fix that, particularly, like, say, fix a hole or something, all right? So I imagine that, and then maybe I'll go to Home Depot, and I just start walking up and down the aisles looking to see if there's something that already exists for what I've imagined. Has anybody else done that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's an important part of being human, again. So uh, I hope you're understanding that, um, that imagination and creativity are deeply linked and that we're all participating in them at all times, in all ways. And that uh, there can be an ill use of the imagination uh, and there can be a moral and ethical, beautiful and good use of the imagination. Of course, we're, we're all hoping to be much more a part of the latter. And um, now people like me can get, uh, get paid for dreaming up stuff, you know. Uh, I, like I remember telling my wife 30 plus years ago, I wish I had a, I need a job where I just name stuff. Right? She says, oh, you'll probably get one. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, I, I have a, one aspect of my job is, is naming things. You know, so it's just I imagine a name for something, you know, based on taking in data and taking in the surroundings of something, the circumstances, the emotion of it, right, and coming up with a name. Um, same with paint. I paint uh, today in acrylics, and um, so I'm imagining uh, for what I want to paint, and then I have to bring it into being, too. So I have to figure out a way to execute it. Which brings into play something that I know all you men know about is the accumulation of skill and ability, right? So imagination along with skill and ability is what gives us a creative life that actually makes a contribution to society. So for each of us, we play different roles, right? We are a citizen, we are a husband, father, someone's son, uh, nephew, whatever it might be. And in different aspects of our life, we may have different roles that we play and different responsibilities. And each one is, is open to having the imagination come to bear upon it in a positive way. So the imagination and creativity isn't always a transactional thing. Mostly, it's a relational thing first. Okay, so let me give you an example of that. So let's say I'm flying in from someplace, um, and flying back into BNA, and um, I realize, oh my gosh, Monday morning, oh, that's my wife's birthday. Oh gosh, right? So I can do the single worst thing a husband can ever do, which is buy your wife a gift at the airport gift store. <laughs> Okay, loser, <laughs> which I've done. <laughs> so you can do that, right? 
Or you can pause for a moment and begin to imagine, isn't there something that I can do in the time that I have, the 13 hours I have time that is going to elapse, isn't there something that I can imagine for her that would be unique and special for her? Like maybe you would do something that you just don't normally do. You know, maybe you would create a card for her and you're like, ah, it's kind of the last thing I'd want to do. You know, it's like, well, maybe it's the first thing you should do. I don't know. But I do know that good relationships, good marital relationships involve the imagination because they involve one another imagining for each other and in new ways, increasingly new ways, particularly as we get older and we've spent years and years and years with each other and we know each other's patterns, uh, we know what, they li- what we think they like and what they don't like and we can really fall into these patterns. Some of you who uh, may run businesses or have run businesses, you cannot afford to be a CEO, right, without an imagination. Because if you don't have an imagination for your company, someone's going to get one for you. I guarantee you. And so people who oversee businesses um, have got to use the imagination, dreaming the dream, as it were, for and casting the vision for a company and a group of people that may work underneath you. Where does all this come from? Well, the very first thing that you find out about God in the Bible in the book of Genesis, the very, very first thing. If you didn't know anything about, about God or Christianity at all, the very first thing you find out about God is that God is a creator. In the beginning, God created. Okay? And then the very last thing you find out about God in the book of Revelation is what? God is recreating. I am making all things new. Right? So this idea of making is hugely important to God. The idea of stewardship and that connection between imagination and making, very, very important. And so then in, in Genesis 1, through 28, we see very clearly that we are made in the image of God. Theologians are divided on this. Some of them say that it has to do uh, with reasoning, intellect, uh, the ability to um, have a moral viewpoint, and it may be about that. And others believe it has to do with the ancient Near East uh, custom that the king would have his direct representatives. So to be made in the image of God would be to be his direct representative. And so I've studied under, you know, many different teachers, and some of them adhere to one and uh, others to another, and some combine them. And I tend to sort of combine them a little bit. J.I. Packer is somebody who would have been uh, uh, very much a part of the first one. If a guy like Peter Enns would have been very much a part of the second one. But regardless of where you, what you study with that, there's something that the Bible's trying to tell us that's very, very unique about being made in God's image and this connection between making, between calling into being what wasn't and making it so, right? 
And it, this, it's amazing. If you begin to think about your life as uh, a story that you're telling, right? And it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. Because here's the thing about it. You're telling a story with your life whether you know it or not. All right? So just like a good story that's been imagined for before it's created... Our lives can be like that, too. And in fact, I would argue that the fiber of discipleship is made of those things. It's to know that you have stepped into a long story of God, people, and place over time. And that you're stepping in into it to play your role in it, to be made after the image of God. And now, as a Christian having that mind renewed again and again and again, and then playing your role in time to imagine and create for your family, for you individually, for your city, uh, for society at large, for your country. And it just goes on and on and on. This is why the work of a follower of Jesus is never done. Never done. We never retire. Because there's always something to imagine for, and there's always some good creative act to bring out into the open uh, for the benefit and common good of everyone. Um, I love being an artist. I love uh, that um, the seeds that were planted into me when I was just a, a little boy with music and art and words, um, have come full bloom now at 62 years of age, and where what I do uh, as an artist is is just like breathing, you know. But I but there's a part of me that so deeply wants everyone to understand that that is not that imagination and creativity is not just the purview of artists. We need it. You know, you can't be an artist without leaning into it and cultivating that at a very, very high level. But it is a calling for every human being on earth to be an imaginative and creative person and imagining for the people around you and for the world that Jesus loves. Amen. Wes says we have time for a few questions, if anybody uh, has one you'd like to ask. Yeah, yeah, okay, so there's two sides to that answer. There's, there's the one, like if, if we were sitting down and talking, I would try to, to discern where you are at in the imagination creativity journey, right? And, um, and help you uh, to see that, you know what, you can walk away from something. If you're stuck, walk away for, for, and do something else with your mind for a moment. Sometimes, because the mind never stops working. The imagination may be working behind the scenes uh, subconsciously, and then the, the solution may emerge later while you're mowing the lawn, right? And then you'd be like, oh, okay, now you go back to what you were doing and you can fix it. So that's kind of the standard answer is to find uh, some diversion for a moment 
to cause the mind to shift so that the subconscious kicks in, right? Because oftentimes you may be putting pressure on yourself to find that solution uh, immediately when in fact the the problem solution um, uh, equation could be very drawn out, very, very drawn out. There are people in our world today who have been working on problems for decades and decades, right? Who've come up with partial solutions and they continue to work on them. So they have to have a way to keep coming back to it with fresh imagination. Um, also, rest is very important. Rest and sleep. You know, sometimes uh, you get stuck, you know, just let a day pass, you know, let a sleep cycle pass and come back to it. So there's kind of practical things. Uh, in my world, I, and, and I, this will sound like hubris, but I don't get stuck. I don't get stuck because um, I have a toolbox now because, like, I do this so much that I carry with me a toolbox in my brain that has so many tools that I can access, right? And they could be like fire starters. You know, think of them like flint, okay? They're always there, and I can always access them, and I can make the motor click again, right? And because all you need is one choice, right? You need to set the process in motion again. Just one movement will cause another. Because as you see, again, in Genesis, what is the pattern of creation that you see? See, create, assess, create, assess, create, assess, declare it's good. That is the pattern of imagination and creating. Right here on the corner. The greatest expression of creativity who showed, showed who I am. <clears throat> My mom passed away um, a year and four months ago. And Rod, thank you. Um, and I remember after I uh, had gone out into the world and lived a life that wasn't the kind of life that would make parents proud. And um, I came home one Christmas after uh, I had begun to follow Jesus, and I wanted to make something for my parents that acknowledged that I come from them, and I come from some place, and that I'm not just some sort of neutral um, creation that I'm making, you know, my life, but that I'm deeply entwined with theirs and that I respect that. And, and so I'm thinking of, um, of that gift that I gave them and because I just got it back, right? Because my father's gone, my mother's gone, and my sister said, you know, do you want this? And so it's sitting in the, the washroom now. So every day I, I walk past there and go into the garage, I see that gift that I made. It was a piece of sheet music of a song that I had written called My People. I'd, it was on an album in the mid-80s. Mid and um, on each side of it, it had, it had a story about my father, a story about my mother. But I think I look back on that and the intentionality that went into that 
that was a gift that I had a huge delight in giving to them in hopes of a lot of healing. And it really set the tone for the rest of our relationship, for the rest of their lives and, and my life. So that would be one among many, you know. Uh, of course, uh, any father, husband has to mention creation of your children, you know, um, and um, the legacy in life that they lead. Go ahead. Yeah, this is a great question. And, 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 and granted, it is a mystery for a lot of people, and, and, but it's simpler than most people think, right? So, so I can have, my imagination could work in such a way where I envision something Right, that would create 200 people 40 years to make. Okay, like it could be like a, a unbelievable cathedral, right? That is all handmade. Every aspect of it is craftspeople who make it. Right. So we could all dream up something like that, just like literally in seconds, imagine something that would take people years and years to create. So you can have kind of a full vision like that. But all you need is a word. Like, for example, you're trying to uh, determine what, to, uh, what kind of gift to give, give someone or to make for someone. And you could think of a word practical. You could think of a word passionate. You could work, think of the word playful. So three different words, and they will send you off in a different direction. Because what the imagination will do is playful. What, what do I mean by playful? Like playful like a child, or, or I'm talking about actually playing with toys? Am I talking about a way of being? And then you're off and running, okay? The imagination will do the work. Uh, but you gotta stay in there with it. Right, because if you're a little rusty, right, like if you're only using the superficial part of your imagination, it might be a little rusty. You got to hang in there with it, right? And one of the ways to hang in there with it is to do your own assessment and analysis, right? So, again, the imagination here's the thought, and then there's the assessment of the thought, the analysis of it, and each builds one upon another. Right until you begin to have that solution or that idea where you say, yes, that's it, that's it. And each of you will know, you know, don't we know when, it, when, our, when the bell rings? You know, it, it, when it rings inside, you're like, yes. I mean, how many of you men can make quick decisions? Okay, I imagine it's kind of a characteristic of men, right, throughout history to have to look at, okay, here's three possibilities, right? Okay, no, no, and yes. Right? How do we do that? Some of it's skill and ability, it's experience, but a lot of it is blink kind of intuition that you just know. Your imagination works so fast to say that I imagine the outcome from this choice will be better than these other two. Right. Oh, we have to quit. Because yeah. we have to quit. But um, there was one more question. You mentioned that there were seeds planted in you by your parents. 
Mm-hmm. And I know that you have done the same with Sam, who's going to be, what, Saturday Night Live this week? Did I, you say that? I don't know if it's this week or next, next week. Next week. Yeah. Okay. His son, Sam wrote. Ashworth, yeah. fabulous songwriter. But talk about, just briefly, the seeds that were planted in you creatively and the seeds that you planted in Sam. Hmm. Um, well, I was raised by a wordsmith mother and a musician father. And uh, they were both um, uh, first-generation Californians, okay, who came from uh, the farm, from uh, Oklahoma and Louisiana. And um, I was kind of a hybrid. It it actually required that I rebel in order to have the life that, that I've had because my parents planted all kinds of seeds in me, artistic seeds, and, and helped to germinate the little artist in me. But they didn't have any means by which to understand how I would make a living from that. So at some point, they had to get to the, to the place where they were saying, well, this is great to have this avocationally. But vocationally, that's going to be really hard. The competition's too stiff. Maybe you should be a school teacher or whatever the story might be, you know. Uh, many parents go through this kind of circumstance. Well, when I got to that point, that rub of like, maybe you, you, you should be a school teacher, I was like, yeah, in your world, <laughs> right? Uh, and I went out there to prove dad wrong, okay? I don't recommend that as a way of living. <laughs> It has long-range <laughs> repercussions uh, that can do damage. So what we've tried to do as parents is to do that same thing, is to create the environment for good to flourish, uh, to be there uh, as an encouragement, but also to, to tell the, the real story of our life, the incredible difficulties that we um, encountered as young artists trying to make it in the world, um, being entrepreneurs, you know, from the time you're 18, you know, just with no rule book, no guide, just making it up as you go along, using your imagination. And um, so we tried, have tried to tell our children and grandchildren those, those stories, but then also the stories that are like, we would never have the life that we've had if we hadn't had risk built into it. And um, there's a great saying, um, aphorism, risk or rust. And I think it's super, super important. All right. Thanks, guys. This is fun being with you. You've been listening to the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. Remember to check out Harrington Interactive Media and get your book to print. They edit, package, and help you put your book on Amazon if you're an author, organization, or a publisher. 